Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, especially those disconnected from Christ. And we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Everybody doing all right? I, uh, I love to read and I talk a lot about the books that I read or am reading. And uh, one of the best books that I, I ever read, uh, especially in the kind of the business genre, was a book by a guy named Michael Gerber called E-Myth Revisited. Uh, he originally wrote E-Myth, and then 15 years later, after I guess he had written it and talked about it enough, he realized there were some things that he had also learned uh, beyond his original ideas. And so E-Myth Revisited was written really to uh, business entrepreneurs. And so if you are an entrepreneur, if you're a small business owner, um, if you're in business and leadership in any way, I would encourage you to read this book. It's a great, great book. I'll give you the premise here. He, he says, and he quotes some often quoted statistics to say that 80% of small businesses fail in the first five years. And then of the 80% that succeed... Uh, I'm sorry, of the 20% that succeed, 80% of those fail in the next five years. And so he starts talking about why does that happen? Why are there businesses that are good ideas and led by good people that could do good things? Why do they fail? And he, he talks about the idea that you have to shift from a person that had an idea or had a good you know, skill that could start a business. You have to shift your mindset and shift the way that you operate to grow that business and to make it sustainable and to make it something that is actually going to last longer than maybe five or even 10 years. And so let me give you just you know, an example. Let's suppose that you like to make cakes. And if you do, I'd like to talk to you after service, okay? But let's suppose that you like to make cakes, you're good at it, you like decorating cakes, you like making cakes, you like experimenting with all kinds of different flavors, and you like to decorate them and just, you know, make them nice. And, and so you've been making cakes for your friends and for your family and for your kids' birthday parties and all this. Let's just say you love to make cakes. Anybody hungry for cake now? Okay, so let's say that you love to do that. Now let's say that at some point along the way, somebody says to you, you, you need to actually start selling these cakes. Like, you need to make a little money selling the cakes that you've been making for free for years, and you're like, that's a great idea. I need to sell the cakes that I love to make. And, and so you start thinking about that, and you develop a business plan, and you try to come up with how you're going to grow that business. And so you're thinking, do I open a, you know, a shop, like a bakery-type shop, and I sell my cakes out of that shop, or do I do it online, or do I do it through friends and family to start, or do I set up some kind of website that I would sell them, or do I, like, how am I going to sell them? So you think about the business plan, and you think, and so then you, you know, create the business, and then you start buying the supplies, and then you start making the cakes, and then you start selling the cakes, and then and, you know, the, the kind of, the, it outgrows you. Your ability to keep up with demand causes you to not be able to make enough cakes to meet how many cakes people want to buy from you. And then you've got to change your mindset and change what you're doing because then you need to hire people. And now you have to train them to make cakes the way you make cakes. So it tastes like the kind of cakes that you've been selling that people are loving. And now you've got to manage those people and you've got to do payroll and you've got to do taxes and you've got to lead and you've got to take on this visionary entrepreneur mindset to dream about the future. And, and what Michael Gerber says is that most entrepreneurs, most small business owners do not have the ability to go from being a good technician making the cakes, making the widget, right? Shift their mindset into management and into leadership and into visionary entrepreneurship. They don't have that ability. And so most businesses eventually get to the place where they can no longer keep up with the demand and they cannot lead their business beyond what they can 
do. They're just a good technician. They just can't grow the business. Now, that's a great business principle, and I didn't spoil all of it, so I would still encourage you to read the book. It's great. But this is not just a business principle. It's also a principle that's found in Scripture. We started a brand-new series last week called, uh, on the book of Acts called Acts, aptly. Uh, and so we're going to talk about Acts for the next few weeks. And, and I've said for a long time that the book of Acts is kind of the hinge of the New Testament. It takes the stories of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of the life and ministry of Jesus, and then it connects those stories because those earliest followers, those apostles, those disciples that walked with Jesus, the stories of the book of Acts kind of center around them taking the message of Jesus after he ascends back to the Father. He goes back to heaven. It takes those stories and it connects them to the stories that we'll read later in the New Testament through the, the, the letters and the epistles and things. And so it's the hinge. It connects all of those things. And so last week, Pastor Trevor kicked off this series looking at Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and did an incredible job. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast through our website or iTunes or something. But it's a great, great kickoff to this series where he talked about how the, the, the Holy Spirit came. The disciples were waiting on the Lord to do something and the Holy Spirit came. And there was this supernatural outpouring of, of God's power in and through his people. And, and they, they were spilled out of the upper room. If you haven't ever read Acts chapter 2, they come out of this place where they had been waiting on God to, to come and do something supernatural. And they come out and they go into the streets and Peter begins proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And it says that thousands of people responded to that message and were added to the church that day. And so what happens then is in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, we begin to see the formation of this early church, this growing early church, that people were being added to the church daily. New people were responding to the gospel. The apostles were preaching and teaching, and they were going, and they were helping to meet the needs of people. And then we get to that first tension point in this growing church in Acts chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, and flip with me there. Acts chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible or a device, feel free to follow along. Most of these will be up on the screen today. But Acts chapter 6, verse 1. This is what we read. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... A complaint by the Hellenists, stop for just a second, the Hellenists would have been the Greek-speaking Jewish people. The Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews. They arose against the Hebrews, the Hebrew people, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So stop for a second. We'll keep reading in a minute, but everybody's kind of focusing on me. You're not reading ahead. So here's what's happening. The church is growing. The apostles are uh, preaching and teaching and helping to deliver the messages of Jesus Christ, the words of Jesus, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus. They're preaching and teaching. And what was happening, if you read at the end of Acts chapter 2, is that they began to share with one another everything that they had so that the needs would be met among the people of the church. And what happened is every single day they would begin to give away to the people that could not provide for themselves the things that those people needed. So widows and orphans primarily who could not get work for themselves, who could not provide for themselves, these people would collect bread, they would collect goods, and they would distribute them to these groups of people that could not care for themselves. And so the Greek Jews, the Hellenists, said, hey, listen, it's awesome that the church is growing, but listen, our widows are getting skipped when you are distributing bread every single day. So let's keep reading beginning in verse 2. 
And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now here what you have in Acts chapter 6 is you have a growing church. You have a church, you have a group of people who are growing in response to the message of God. And I love reading this story. There are so many stories in the book of Acts that are my favorite, but this is definitely one of my favorite. And if they're all my favorite, I'm not sure any of them are my favorite, but I get the tension there. So this is one of my favorites because it's about this healthy, growing, thriving church. And it's not just because of the works of man. It is because of the works of God in and through these groups of people. And supernaturally, God is helping to add to their number. And I love that. I love watching churches grow. I love healthy things because healthy things grow. And here's what you probably know. Here's what we know, that not all churches are growing. Not all human gatherings of people, these church gatherings like we are in today, not all of them are growing. In the United States, well, really in in all of North America, the average size Protestant church is less than 90 people. So again, even on a summer Sunday in this service, we have more people than that. So the average church, if all the people that call that church home are less than what are sitting in this room, even right now in this service, we have multiple services and kids and people serving throughout the building. The average church in North America is less than 90 people. I don't say that as an indictment on them or in any way negative towards them. I'm just telling you that that's the norm. This here is not the norm. That's the norm. And not only that, but Not all churches, even at that number, are growing. Most churches are at best plateaued, or at worst, they are in decline. They are seeing less people this year than they saw last people. There are large numbers, thousands of churches in North America, according to the latest statistics, who have not seen anyone saved in their church in the last 12 months. It's sad. It's a sad state of affairs related to church. That's not our story I'm so thankful for that. A growing church, by statistics, would be a church that is seeing an increase of 3 to 5% year over year. So what that means is if you averaged 100 people last year, if you are averaging 103 to 105 or more, you are growing. You are considered a growing church just based on attrition rates and those that would naturally kind of fall away or move away or whatever. A growing church is growing if it's 3 to 5% average above last year. Let me just tell you a great statistic. Numbers are not important necessarily today. We are 30% over last year in growth. That's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I don't tell you that so you clap, but thanks for clapping. I tell you that because, again, I want you to know this is not the norm. It's not three weeks ago we baptized 27 people in our services. We've seen dozens and dozens of people saved in, in, in our services, on Wednesday night in students, on our Sunday gatherings, in children's ministry, and here in the auditorium, we're seeing incredible things. I remember a year ago, several Sundays a year ago, 
where we didn't have 30 or 40 kids in our kids' ministry on a Sunday. And this week, over 40 or 50 kids every single night gathered for sports camp over at Holly Springs Elementary. Just, just thinking about the things that God has been doing just in our midst over this last year, it's incredible to see what God is doing here and the growth that God is doing here. But again, growth brings challenges. We just read about that in Acts chapter 6. Because what was happening is as growth was happening, as new people were being added to the church, the demands on ministry, the demands on the people, the demands on the leaders was more than they could take care of. And so people were not getting cared for in the way that they thought they should be cared for. And let me just say to you, that's a reality here too. That's a reality at Canton Church. I know that. It would never be our desire, never be my desire. I'll put it on me, not anybody else. It would never be my desire that someone would not receive the care or ministry that they desire or that they need. But as we continue to grow, before we're able to get to the place where we can kind of meet the demands at that season or that time of ministry, as God continues to grow our team and our volunteers and our staff, there are things that are happening. They're getting dropped. And that's never an intentional effort, but it's definitely happening. And I apologize for that. But as we grow and we are seeing legitimately supernatural type of growth, we're doing our best to reach, but we are realizing the tension of a growing church. We're realizing the challenges that come when growth happens. And, and as we read about in the Michael Gerber book, as, I, as we talked about a little bit there, as we read about in Acts chapter 6, what we understand is that what worked for us in a previous season may actually work against us in the next season. What worked for us in a previous season may, it's not just that it won't work, it may actually work against us in the next season. I was thinking back a little bit about our story, which I do pretty regularly. I, I, I reflect and I remember, and some of you have some of these same memories, but I was thinking about our time in the high school. If you don't know our story, before we moved into this space uh, in January of last year, we met 209 Sundays as a portable church in a high school. We have 209 rocks on the front of this stage that represent kind of our altar of remembrance for what God did in that season for us in the high school. And we met 209 Sundays, 202 of them were at Sequoia High School, one of them was at Hickory Flat Elementary, and six of them were at Creekview High School. And we had to move from Sequoia while they were doing some construction. And so 209 Sundays in the high school, and I think back on that season, I wouldn't change it for anything. But there were some hard times in that. There were some definite hard Sundays, and some of you lived through that. You were a part of some of those serving teams and set-up teams. If you're not familiar with what Portable Church is, we would show up to the high school, and three U-Haul trucks would pull up, not by themselves. They weren't motorized. One of our volunteers would drive each of those trucks, two 17-foot trucks and one 24-foot box truck, and they would pull up, and they would back up to the school there, and we would unload. We would go in and we'd kind of take all the chairs and tables and desks that were in the classrooms there on that, that hallway and we would move them around and we would come in and we would set up kids' classrooms in those environments. And we'd come into the drama theater and we would set up pipe and drape and we'd work around whatever staging they had for their next production and we would create an auditorium and we'd create a space for people to come and worship God. And, and I think back on that season and I'm not sure why anybody stayed with us in the high school. And if you did, God bless you, there's an extra jewel in your crown. I've already talked to God about it. Because there was like a smell in the high school that wasn't awesome. And we set up some kids' rooms that I didn't even want to put my kids in. I remember, I didn't say this at 930, I probably shouldn't say it now, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I remember walking into our, our toddler room, which doubled as the in-school suspension room Monday through Friday, 
It's kind of an art room. And I remember walking in one Sunday and the pipe and drape didn't quite cover all the supplies in the classroom. And there was a, a big blade paper cl- cutter like right on the edge there. And I'm thinking, I have a two-year-old and he's going to try to pull that blade off of that counter. So I said to our volunteers, we probably need to move that. We probably just need to, need to move that. There, there, if, if you stayed with us during the high school, God bless you. Thank you so much. We're so thankful for what God did in that season. But man, it, it was not an awesome season every single time. There were Sundays it rained. There were Sundays that it snowed. I remember some of our volunteers, after we would set up, they would go get blowers and blow all the leaves away so that you were kind of walking into at least somewhat of an appealing environment. And, and I would show up with my son, especially in the earliest days. I would show up with my son, and we would, we would usually be the first one there. Sometimes there were maybe one or two volunteers that might beat us there. But early, early, the first, you know, maybe month or two or three months, we would try to be the very first ones at the school. And we'd show up, and the custodian, she would unlock the door, and she would let us in. And we'd start moving desks and moving tables and setting up pipe and drape. And volunteers would arrive and they would do their jobs. And I'd go in and I'd help, you know, run speaker cables and plug them in. And they were so gracious when I'd leave, they'd go plug it in where it was actually supposed to be plugged in. And I just wanted to help. I just wanted to be a part of what God was doing there. And then I'd go and I'd lead our one volunteer team huddle in the lobby there of Sequoia High School. And I would stand in front of the chief that's like on the glass there. And so they would take pictures of me and I looked like I was wearing a headdress a lot of times. And they, but I would stand there and we'd celebrate what God was doing and connect the dots by why we set up pipe and drape and how people's lives were being changed. And then I'd go and I would change shirts because I had sweated through whatever I was wearing. And I'd go put on a different shirt. And I'd pray, God, just let whatever I'm about to say that I believe you've given me make sense today. And I'd go up and I'd preach. Some Sundays I'd also lead worship and then I'd preach. And I just, I remember thinking about those Sundays. I remember living those Sundays. I remember early on that our entire connection process, you know, it's got a really fancy word, assimilation, but most people don't want to be assimilated because they don't know what that means. And so they're like, we, I remember our connection process was like, oh, there was a new family that came Sunday. Let's get them to go out to dinner with Jeremy and Corey. Let's, let's get them to go to coffee with Jeremy. Let's, you know, let's get that girl to go. I remember that was our connections process. But it, that doesn't work anymore. What I've realized as I look back is I was the lid. I was the lid. As much as it depends on personal human effort, and I believe that it's all God and all, you know, the Lord grows the church. I believe that 100%. But as much as human effort is involved, I was the lid. I, I was blocking us from experiencing more growth in that season. Because I was trying to do a lot of things. And it wasn't just me by myself. We had incredible teams of volunteers. Again, some of them that are still serving so faithfully. But I was the lid. I was the one that was causing us not to see more of what we wanted to see because I thought, you know, what had worked in a previous season would keep working for us in the next season. But what I realized is that what works for us in a previous season may actually work against us in the next season. I, I recognize that now. Like, if, if the entire connection process now, if the entire connection ministry now was let's get you to go out to dinner with Jeremy and Corey, no one would get connected. We've had 170 first-time guests this year just through the end of May. Like, I love to eat, but I got to be honest, y'all. Like, I can't eat that much. <laughs> what worked for us in a previous season would actually work against us now. So we have systems and processes and Canton Life and all the things that we try to do. What worked for us back then wouldn't work for us now. 
would actually work against us. If I tried to lead one volunteer huddle, we would never get church started on time. So we split up, and now volunteers and staff people, they're leading these different huddles and trying to make sure everybody knows what they're doing and where they're going and why. What worked for us in a previous season would actually work against us in the next season. Because what got us here won't get us there. I was the lid. And now we have paid staff and we have amazing volunteers and we had amazing volunteers there then and some of them are still with us. And like, but what we realized is we were probably doing it wrong. I was definitely doing it wrong. Because what I thought I was supposed to do, and I, and I was learning, I, I really was. I had never done what I was doing then. I've never done what I'm doing now. But what I thought I was supposed to do was to do as much ministry as I could possibly do, to serve as many people as I could possibly serve, to try to meet every need that I could possibly meet, and to preach and to teach and to try to do everything I could with as much excellence as I could. And what I realized is I'm the lid. I can do that up to a certain number of people, but I'm the lid if that's the strategy. But that's not the strategy, thank God. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us some instructions about how we are to organize ourselves when it says this. And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Just like we read in Acts chapter 6, if we really want to effectively reach more people with the gospel message, we have to multiply ourselves to meet the demands, to meet the needs of people. We have to try to make sure it's not about one or two or three or four or five or eight or ten people or twelve people doing all the ministry, but that there are groups and teams and teams and teams of people that are ministering to people so that more people can be reached with the gospel. We have to, as a church, move from a staff-driven ministry to a staff-equipping ministry if we want to be obedient to Ephesians chapter 4, and if we want to follow the example of Acts chapter 6, that we are equipping people, we are praying over and laying our hands over and releasing people to do ministry to meet needs of people. Because when you are meeting the needs of people in the community, you are the church in action. You are doing what God has called you to do as a part of this local fellowship, this local church. You are the church when you are helping to meet the needs of people. But our goal is not just to grow a bunch of numbers. And if you ever hear me talking numbers, please know, please hear my heart. Every one of those numbers represents a name and a story. And when we start our staff meetings every single week, we start with wins. And just about every time that someone tries to give a win that's a number, we stop them. And we say a win's not a number. A name and a story is a win. And so we ask them to dig into that number and find a name, find a story. We're, when we talk about 27 people being baptized, we can tell you every single name of every single person across three services that was baptized in this very room just three weeks ago. And we can tell you their testimony, some of the, what they shared publicly and some that they did not share publicly because names and stories are wins. That's what God is doing. And so we celebrate those things. We celebrate numbers and we celebrate names and we celebrate stories and we celebrate wins because we believe that's what God is doing among us here. 
God is continuing to expand the reach of this ministry, but not for this ministry's sake, but to connect to other ministries in this community and other ministries around the world to reach more people than we in this room across any of our services could ever reach by ourselves. We are a part of the Big C Church, not just Canton Church. And so why is that important? Let's look back at verse 7 of Acts chapter 6 that we just read. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. The word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. This is not about just a bunch of numbers. This is about the gospel going forth. This is about disciples being made. But in order for that to continue to increase, I believe that God is asking us to be good stewards. And I believe that God is asking us to once again enlarge our teams to enlarge our reach. I believe that God, in order to be glorified through our efforts so that the gospel can increase and so that disciples can be multiplying in Canton and in Cherokee County and around our community, if God is going to do that in and through us in this place, I believe it's time once again to expand our efforts and to expand our teams. And so let me ask you a question today. Are you hoping the gospel spreads or are you helping the gospel spread? Are you hoping the gospel spreads or are you helping the gospel to spread? Because according to Acts chapter 6 and according to Ephesians chapter 4, what we understand is that when people join the team, when people decide, I want to be a part of meeting the needs that people have in this community, when I want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can so that the word of God can go forth and so that the, disciple, the number of disciples can multiply, if that's what we want to see happen, and I'm going to clue you in, that it is what we want to see happen, then I believe it's time for us to once again expand our team. Now let me make a disclaimer before I finish. I'm not asking you to do this because we don't have good people serving now. I'm not asking you to do this because we can't pull off Sunday without you. I'm not asking you to do this because we can't pull off Wednesday night for students without you. And I don't say that to hurt your feelings. I say that so that you know that I don't just want something from you. I want something for you. With all of my heart, if you know me at all, I pray that you believe me when I tell you. This is not about the church. It's about you. It's about what can be done when you don't just hope that the gospel spreads, but you begin helping the gospel to spread. Because I heard a quote a long time ago. A lot of politicians have quoted it, and it's been in movies, and it's been in books in various forms, but hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. So if you are hoping that the gospel spreads, good luck with that. I believe in the sovereignty of God and I believe that the gospel will spread. I just want to be a part of it happening. I want us to be a part of it happening. 
And so for us to be a part of that, I believe it's time to once again expand our teams so that God can know that we can be trusted with whatever it is that he sends our way. And we want you to be in on what God is up to. We want you to be in on what God is up to. We believe God's up to something here. We believe that God is doing something incredible here. Not just in our church, but in other churches in our community. The stories that I hear from pastors and leaders and people that attend these churches, like God's doing something incredible in our community right now. And we want to be a part of that in reaching this community, reaching those that are far from Christ. We want to see that happening. We want to be a part of that happening. We want to be a part of the solution. And so my question again is, are you hoping the gospel spreads or are you helping the gospel spread. I want you to bow your head right where you're at. Nobody's going to look around just for a minute. Just right where you're at. I want you just to close your eyes, just bow your head right there for a second. And I want you to ask yourself an honest question. Just as honest as you can be with yourself, I want you to ask this question. Am I hoping the gospel spreads or am I helping the gospel to spread? Am I hoping the gospel spreads or am I helping the gospel to spread? Be honest. God, God, help me to be honest. I'm not, I'm not answering it out loud. I'm just searching my own heart. If I could be honest just for a minute, am I hoping that the gospel spreads or am I helping the gospel to spread? Now look at me. If you would say, Jeremy, if I, I'm being honest, I'm just kind of hoping it spreads. I'm not really involved in helping it happen. I love coming here. I love being a part of this church. I love coming and sitting on Sundays and worshiping and listening to whoever's preaching that day. And my kids like the kids ministry and my students like the student ministry. And we like the outreach things we do. And we like the serving, you know, I like, we like all that. But we're not really helping. I'm not really helping. I'm just kind of hoping. And here's what I want you to do today. Here's what I want to do. I, we don't want just something from you. We definitely want something for you. Earlier, they talked about that connection card. I want you to pick up the connection card. Maybe it's in your seat. Maybe it's in the seat back. And in just a second, when I pray, there's nowhere on the card that says, I want to serve. I want to help. That would have been awesome. We should have thought of that. That got dropped. Okay? That would have been awesome. So here's what you're going to do. You're just going to go down to the bottom of that card. It says spiritual experience. And then there's an other box. I just want you to check the other box and just say, I want to help. I want to help the gospel to spread. And I realize, like, right now you're thinking of a million reasons why you can't do that and why you don't want to do that. And we're not here every week, and I work two Sundays a month, and I, I don't really know what I'm committing to, and I don't want to commit. You know, I know how churches work. Like, you sign up for something, you do it until you die. Like, the last time you serve, you're in the coffin the next day. Like, that's how it works in church. I promise you that's not what we'll do to you. I promise you. And you say, well, I, I work a lot. We'll help you figure that out. You say, well, I don't really know how I would help. We'll help you figure that out. Maybe you say, you know, I, I can't sing like some of these people. Maybe you, maybe you can. Write that down. You say, well, I can't play. Maybe you can. Write that down. Maybe you say, well, I, I can't do any of that, but I like computers, so maybe media is the area you would be interested in helping. Or you say, well, I, you know, I can't do any of that. Like, I can't even figure out how to use my cell phone, so I, I don't think that's my gift. But, you know, I, I love kids. And somewhere along the way, whether it was a family member or a friend or somebody at a church I went to or a school teacher, there was an adult that actually invested in me as a child and it marked my life forever and I want to be that kind of adult in the life of a child. Just write it down, kids. You say, well, it wasn't really kids. It was like when I was a student. I was like seventh grade or 10th grade. Like I, I just kind of doing my own thing. But like there was this one adult 
that just kind of took the time and took me seriously and made me feel like I was an actual person and it changed the trajectory of my life. And I want to be that kind of person for a middle schooler, high schooler, just right students. You say, well, I don't have any talent whatsoever. You don't know. Like you think, yeah, you do have talent. No, I don't. I don't have any talent, but I don't mind talking to strangers. Just right. I'll talk to strangers. We got spots for that, right? We got some of you. We're trying to keep you away from strangers. Like, I've just got to be honest with you. Like we look at your name. We go, nope, you can't really serve over there, but that's all right. We'll help you. David, I'm looking at you back there, but I just, we're just, we'll help you. We'll help you. You say, well, I, I don't even know where to start. You start by picking up the card and overcoming your fears and overcoming all the excuses and saying, you know what? Hope's not a strategy. I'm not going to hope the gospel spreads. I'm actually wanting to help the gospel spread. So you just write on that other box. You just say, I want to help. And you put anything else there that you want. And what we'll do in just a minute, you drop it in the bucket when it passes by. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you figure out all the next steps that you need to take. And after that, if you decide, you know what, there's not a spot for me or I don't really want the spot that you have for me, or what, then you just back out. You're not signing up for anything. You say, I, I don't want to just hope. I want to help the gospel spread. It's time again to expand our team. We believe what God is doing is good. We believe it's amazing. We, we don't ever want to take it for granted. We want to pause long enough to thank God for what he's doing. But we also want to anticipate what he's going to do next. And what he's about to do next, we want you in on that. We want you in on what God's up to. God, we thank you today for the chance to serve you. We thank you for the chance just to be a part of what you're doing in and through Canton Church and in this community, even beyond our little C church, in the big C church. We thank you, God, that we get to be a part of that and we get to celebrate that. God, we thank you for the incredible stories that you've already written in our lives. But we don't believe you're done with us. We believe you want to do more. And so, God, we're asking you now to help us to commit to being a part of helping the gospel spread. We don't want to just hope. We want to help. God, we believe that as we take that step of faith that you'll do something in us and then you'll do something through us and the word of God will increase and the number of disciples will multiply and you will be glorified in all that we do as we lift you up every single time that we gather and every single time that we leave this place as the church to meet needs in this community. God, we thank you for the chance to be a part of what you're doing name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.